Thank you, Nate. Good morning. My name is Dory Brown. I'm one of the pastors here at Hillcrest, and um, I have been uh, on staff here for over 20 years now, and uh, it has been a joy to be here, and I'll have to say the staff that I'm working with right now has never been better. In fact, I'd like to show them to you. I'd like to give you photo greetings from all of us to all of you. I'll tell you, the commute to work has never been so short. If we are late to the meeting, we don't have an excuse now. There's no traffic, there's no car trouble, there's no getting pulled over by the police like we so often get pulled over. We are always there right on time, and it is so fun to be together. I'm going to take a minute and actually name the people that are up on this screen. Um, from left to right so that you'll be able to put a name with a face when you see us in person next time. We have Larry and Jessica and Gretchen and Julie and Jill and Daniel, Dory, Meg, Lisa, Janie, the other Lisa, Nate, Brad, Nicole, and Clarissa. This has been a steep learning curve in so many ways for us as a staff to have our meetings this way, and as so many of you have having your meetings that way too. Uh, but for us, we're learning, we're learning, and we're learning more about each other as we are seeing each other in our uh, natural habitat. Sometimes we'll see walking through the picture a child or maybe a pet. We've had a grandfather walk through. We see what people are having for breakfast and lunch, and we see what they like to snack on. Um, but mostly what I want to convey with this picture is that how we think of you all the time. We pray for you. We think fondly of you. We've, we've uh, uh, cried for you. And we simply just miss you. We want you to know in the way that the family of God transcends the boundaries of space and time that we are with you and we have you in our hearts. And of course, our staff meetings like that, we're having Zoom, and you're having all of your meetings on Zoom, and we're having that because of this very difficult time that we're in right now. It is a unique time, as we know, and it affects literally everyone. Even if you or your loved one does not affect it right now, you are affected. We see what is going on in every corner of the world, every country country, every continent except Antarctica, and we may not even really realize how the sad news in the world is affecting us. We're not just affected by our own particular situation, but by the stories of suffering that we are hearing over and over again. There is a collective suffering, and we are feeling it. A worldwide suffering like this happens once in a century. So, of course, we're surprised, we're stunned, we didn't see, see it coming, and it seems to go on and on and on. That's why it's so hard. And yet, this thing that is hard, which we could be calling trouble, that phrase, trouble, uh, as part and parcel of life, and that phrase, as I was writing this the other day, I wrote down part and parcel, and I thought, I don't even know if I'm sure if I'm using that, that phrase right, so I looked it up and I found that I was. The online dictionary defines the phrase as a basic and integral component. Not our preference, but there it is. Trouble is part and parcel of life. And the Bible doesn't skirt this. There are many verses. When trouble comes, and when, not if, in James 1, 2, 
Call on me in the day of trouble, Psalm 50. Yet man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upwards. And that's from the mouth of Job. And then Jesus said it. In this world, you will have trouble. That's John 33. And before we get to the overcoming and the deliverance and even the good that we pray will come out of it, we sit in it like Job did, in the ash heap, and we suffer. We stay because there is no way out of this difficulty. We think of those with chronic illness and pain. We think of those who have seemingly impossible relationships, even abusive relationships. The mentally ill, the homeless, there are too many examples to mention, but for all of us now, Think of the pandemic which has swept the world, so we suffer. And try as we might, there is no way around this, but there is a way through. And we are in good company as we look to Jesus to see how he did it. He was called the suffering servant. Isaiah 53, 3 says, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. And so, if we want to be like Jesus, we can know that we are like him in that we suffer. Jesus was perfect and he suffered. If he did, why should we be surprised if we do? And there are all kinds of suffering. The simple garden suffering that we all go through is when we don't get our own way, when we are not in control when the hard or even inconvenient things in life seem random and unfair. When there are, and then there's the harder kinds, the cruelty, the pain of any kind, relational, physical, emotional, the distress of unknowing, the hopelessness, the helplessness that we see when we see a loved one suffer and we cannot make it better. And so we get what we so often pray for. We pray, let me be like you, Jesus. Let me be like you. It even says in Hebrews 2.10 how the Father perfected Jesus, the author of our salvation, through his suffering. Could it be that we are perfected and actually it's more accurately rendered made complete through our suffering? Is it part of our deepening? Is suffering beyond our knowing and understanding? Is it doing something that we don't even know? Could it be a part of our maturation? And then there is the suffering on top of suffering. Henry Nouwen described this as unnecessary suffering, that we suffer even more because we think we shouldn't be suffering, that it's unusual and it makes no sense, or it means that we are doing something wrong. Well, and, and if, if you are doing something wrong, then that would be the case of suffering the consequences of our actions. But Nouwen is talking about suffering for the wrong reason. He writes... Many people suffer because of the false supposition on which they have based their life. That supposition is that there should be no fear, no loneliness, no confusion, no doubt. But these sufferings can only be dealt with creatively when they are understood as wounds integral to our human condition. And we are in a human condition, aren't we? Living in a clearly fallen world, longing for the day when there is the consummation of God's kingdom over the whole earth. Romans 8.22 says it. The whole creation has been groaning together. This groaning, this suffering, as wounds integral to our human condition, we are fallen world people living in this place. But suffering need not be only the brokenness of our humans of us as humans, it can be a doorway to a deeper relationship with God. 
and also a deeper compassionship for the whole world. The world now is suffering. And even if you are doing well, as we hear stories and see the news, it becomes our suffering as well. There is a collectively heavy suffering now that we are bearing, and we may not even be conscious of it. But we bear it because we are a human being here on earth. We have that dual citizenship. We have our home in heaven, and we also are citizens here on earth. It is too much to bear. It's just too much. We don't have the capacity for this kind of suffering without going into denial or numbing. And there are so many ways to numb right now. Netflix, the internet, social media, eating, drinking, our distractions are legion. We don't have the capacity. We distract, some of us get mad, some of us get busy, and some of us just simply spiral down. We have a limited amount of time and energy. So let's consider how to spend it in ways that we won't regret once this time has passed. So we look to Jesus and we say how he did it. After all, he demonstrated by his life how to suffer without turning bitter, without hardening his heart. There are many verses that talk about how Jesus suffered. We are not going to take time to go into all of those, but suffice us to say, First of all, he did not run from suffering. He endured it. He submitted it, submitted to it. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, if possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, yours. He also went towards suffering. He seemed to be drawn to it as he went with compassion to others who people ignored and even despised. The blind, the lame, the immoral, those who had no value in that society, the helpless, the hopeless, he spent time with them. And he did it not to shape them up. He did it to give himself to them. He also knew the value of not being alone when suffering, the importance of having others with him. When he suffered in that garden, he cried, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay and keep watch with me. He needed to be with the disciples and he knew that they needed to be with him. Our suffering, others suffering, there is a huge value in being with another in whatever shape or form that can be. And even for us, to be with someone who is suffering, the one who is with needs to be not alone. Those of us who have been caretakers of someone with a serious illness know that. There is a challenge implicit in that lonely role. So if we want to stay present and open-hearted, we need support to do that. We do it with others. In Matthew 9:36, we read, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Compassion. It comes from the Latin. Come, the first part, means with or together, and then pati, passion or to suffer. Compassion, with suffering. Pain and trouble is a given. To be with is what we can do now for others and for ourselves. There is definitely a time to do, but if we can be with first, we will have more access to the wisdom that would be most helpful to knowing what to do. To be with others in their suffering, it takes compassion and it grows it. To acknowledge, not deny or minimize our own suffering, it grows compassion for ourselves and we need it. 
and compassion fatigue. It helps to own it, hold the compassion with others, and hand over the suffering to our God who is able. So we can't continue to hold what which we are not able to carry. And remember how we're to love our neighbors as ourselves? Jesus assumed that we loved ourselves. And in fact, to love our neighbor, to have compassion on others, we need to be gentle with ourselves. Think of how we can talk to ourselves, someone in our own minds. Some of those things we say to ourselves, we would never say out loud to another living human being. So we try to be gentle with ourselves, have compassion to suffer with ourselves. And out of that will grow our ability to have compassion for others. If we are tight and contracted within ourselves, it is almost impossible to be open-hearted with others. Can we be gentle with ourselves like God is gentle with us? He called us his little children, his sheep, his beloved. So we see the hard stuff, we experience it, we are with it, and we look to Jesus knowing that he is with us. He was a man of suffering and familiar with pain. We look to Jesus and realize that we may be more like him than we even know. And at some point, we may come to find suffering as a gift. With no suffering, there will be no compassion. We can act with kindness. We can act with gentleness, and that is very good, and we should. But we will not be compassionate people until we are touched with our own suffering and thus able to be truly with someone else who is suffering. It's hard. It's all hard. And we can only do this because of our God who is always with us. The Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you from Deuteronomy 31. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go from Joshua 1. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age from Matthew 28. We are not alone. Even for those of us who are sheltering at home by ourselves, we are not alone. And as I said at the beginning, this church staff is with you. And the whole church family yearns for one another, prays for one another. And as we follow Jesus and follow the news, we see and also experience personally situations that break our hearts. They break our hearts wide open. And thankfully, there is now talk of things opening up. Thank God. But let's not miss this opportunity for growth that only happens in time of lack. Times happens in times of lack, not in times of abundance. Like the trees which develop deep tap roots looking for water and nutrients, let our roots grow deep down into the soil of God's love. And now together, we will give voice to words as we name and acknowledge the suffering, our witness in the suffering for those in our church family, our community, our country, our world, and we will lift it all to God. Nate and Nicole will be joining me, and you are welcome to join us with your voice. Hear our prayers, O oh God. You are not alone. We're in this together. We'll do everything we can to help. Our Father in heaven, have mercy on us all. For the parents and newborns who feel the sadness of not being able to introduce their baby to friends and family because of social distancing, you are not alone. We are in this together. For those who are financially fragile, the retired, small business owners, those who have lost their jobs, who have had financial emergencies, 
who have zero cushion. You are not alone. We are in this together. For everyone who's getting married over these months, having to adjust your plans to a whole different kind of ceremony. You are not alone. We are in this together. For the refugees trying to make sense of the chaos in a foreign country and a language that's often difficult to comprehend. You are not alone. We are in this together. For parents now working from home and simultaneously educating their children. You are not alone. We're in this together. For single parents who are already under-supported and overworked. You are not alone. We're in this together. For the, for the over 20 million kids in the U.S. who need public school meal assistance just to get one or two hot meals a day and their parents who are suffering the pain of seeing their children hungry. You are not alone. We're in this together. For our elders in assisted living communities and their families who fear they may never touch or hug each other again. You are not alone. We are in this together. For those whose immune systems are compromised, those who have or develop health issues, who have treatments or surgeries during this time. You are not alone. We are in this together. For those who are incarcerated and concerned for their health in their isolated communities or worried that they may lose loved ones they'll never see again. You are not alone. We're in this together. For all in the service industries who graciously serve all of their customers while making themselves vulnerable. You are not alone. We are in this together. For parents whose employers aren't making concessions for you to stay home with your children or aren't able to attend school. You are not alone. We're in this together. For the health care professionals, including hospice workers, who put themselves in risk to care for the suffering bodies of our collective humanity. You are not alone. We're in this together. For every single one of us who will lose a loved one, a friend, a family member during this time, and will be forced to grieve separately. You, you are, are not, not alone. We're, We're in this together. We'll, we'll do everything we can to help. Our, Our Father in heaven, have, have mercy, mercy on us all. Have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy.